team. Uh, it's uh, wonderful seeing all the different gifts at work, people using their talents and abilities together. And if you've been with us for the last two weeks, you will know that this is the third and final in our series on the biblical Im- some, some of the biblical images. There are so many, but we've chosen to look at the biblical images that Paul talked about. We began with looking, looking at the fact that Paul calls the church the people of God and uh, refers to that. And we said God has always been calling to himself a people and he's still calling to himself a people. And today we're those people that are called his people, the church. It's not a building. It's not a, a priest. It's not a, a set of rules. It's not all these things that make a church, but it's the people of God who belong to him. We talked uh, last week then about the fact that we are the body of Christ and each one a part of it. It's through faith in Jesus Christ that we become part of his body. And we talked about the implications of that last week. And this week, we look at the fact that Paul refers to the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, This morning... um, as I think about the fact that Paul talked about the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, this is where he, he talked about it uh, most clearly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 to 17, he said, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. And Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, to a group of people that he knew who believed in Jesus Christ. And he wrote to that church and he said to the people Don't you know that you yourselves, plural, are God's temple? You, church, are God's temple. And today we can say as we gather here at the Wodonga District Baptist Church and I look out and we take God's word and we could say, Paul would say the same things to us. You, you are God's temple. And from this verse we'll say that if we destroy this sacred temple, God will not like it. He'll destroy you because his temple is sacred. Why did Paul say these things? What was he thinking when he wrote these things? Well, Solomon had said in 2 Chronicles 6, 1 to 12, after building the temple, Uh, He he said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Now, David had wanted to build a house for God, but Solomon was the one that built the temple. And when he had dedicated it, the presence of the Lord came in a very strong way. And God chose to dwell in the temple in a special way. The temple... Uh, Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonian invaders in uh, 587 BC. 
And a second temple was built by the returning exiles. That's in Ezra chapter 3. And that stood for nearly 500 years and was succeeded by Herod's temple. And completed this Herod's temple was completed just a few years before the birth of Jesus. And Jesus implied that the temple was no longer a place of God's dwelling when he said to those that were, you know, challenging him. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they were saying, how on earth could that happen? It took us years to build that thing. And the scriptures then say that he was, Jesus was referring to his body, his body that would be destroyed and rose again, risen again. He also um, asserted that the overriding consideration in approaching God is not a geographical location, like a a temple anymore, like a physical building anymore. But when he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, and God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Small s, that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus' words about the temple actually proved prophetic because it was destroyed in uh, AD 70 by the Romans. And the thought that God dwells among his people continues now. And Paul has taken up the, the thinking of God dwelling in a temple and now he applies it to the fact that Jesus' body was offered up on the cross and this Jesus giving himself up has enabled the Holy Spirit to come. And therefore the church is the creation of the Spirit. As Christ's body was offered up and the Spirit came, the new temple is God's presence in the lives of believers. Christ himself is the foundation stone. Uh, Christ himself is the one who is the head of this church, the temple. And he's the one on whom the people of God are built. The building, a foundation, a temple, a house on Christ as its cornerstone. And the completion of this building, this temple, lies in the future. In uh, Revelation uh, 21 and verse 3, it says, Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. So Paul, taking out the thinking of the temple, uses it to describe the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul's saying to the church at Corinth, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But he also says it to individual believers, those who trust in Christ. It's true that you yourself are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. 
You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. He was talking in the context of sexual immorality where people were saying that it doesn't matter what I do in my body. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. You individual Christians at Corinth are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. So not only is the church the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's made up of individual people who are living stones built together to build his temple. And you yourselves are his temple. How can this be? What does this mean? Well, God has always wanted to have relationship with people. He's always wanted us to come to know him and to have relationship with him. Can you see that little man over there? Yeah, It's not a man, it's a woman and a man, both together at once, representing people. But God has always wanted to have relationship with people. And yet the truth is that we have gone our own way. We've broken relationship with God. And that uh, has separated us from knowing this God who loved us and made us so that we would have relationship with him. And sin is something that everybody uh, has, has done. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death, hell, eternal separation from God because of the way that we have turned our back on him, shaken our fist at him, understood what he wanted for our lives, but did something different. And the Bible says that in this state, uh, it's like we're dead. We're enemies of God. We're far from him. And in this situation, many people want to try and work their way back to God by being a good person. We try and do so many good things to try and work away and, and make ourselves right with God. But we are hopeless and helpless to do that in and of our own selves because of our sin, which separates us. Even doing good things and giving doesn't bridge the gap. There's only one thing that can bridge the gap, and that's either we pay for our sin ourselves through death, dying and being eternally separated from God in hell, paying the price ourselves, or having someone else who can do that. There's no one else that can do that because all have sinned, but God sent his own son, Jesus, to live amongst us. He lived a sinless life. He lived and he taught us how to live, and he came and he died on the cross and he, in his death, bridged the gap between us and God. He made it possible for us to be forgiven through putting our faith and trust in him so that we could have new life and enter a cross and be reunited. That's reconciliation. That's being at one with God. The only reason? Because Jesus took your sin upon himself when he died on the cross. And today... You're either on that side, this side, far from God, because you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ and you are still maybe trying to be a good person, which doesn't work. Or you have put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ that he took upon himself your sin and he has forgiven you as you turn to him and confess and repent and turn away from the life that you've been living and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Now, all of that is clear from the scriptures. And all of that is spiritual. The Holy Spirit 
is at work in this process. Do you know, because no one can move from death to life, from darkness to light, from being uh, a new, from becoming a whole new creation of your own accord. You can't work that. It is God who draws people by his spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts and prompts and calls people to put their trust in him. And the Holy Spirit, through Jesus' death on the cross, makes effective when you put your faith in him, your forgiveness of sin. He, he assures you by knowledge of the, his presence that you are saved, that you are born again, and this is of God. And this is what... Uh, Jesus talked about in, in John 3, uh, when he talked about being born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was wondering how this all worked, he said, I'll tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by I'm saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with those that are born of the spirit. It's God's spirit at work in your life that affects this salvation transaction. And some of you might say, I never felt the Holy Spirit much when I put my trust in Jesus. doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit hasn't done anything. His word is sure and true. And you can take that by faith whether the feelings were there or not. Some of you might have had wild experiences when you put your faith in him. Maybe you cried for a long time. Maybe you had real sense of gifts that he'd given you. Maybe there were uh, reactions of wanting to go and forgive people that you hadn't forgiven. Maybe you wanted to serve a lot. The Holy Spirit, wind blows and it works in mighty and powerful ways. But as people come to know Jesus through the gospel and the Holy Spirit making Jesus known to us, this church is built. This body, this temple. And as a result, you and I, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and received his forgiveness and now know him as our friend, Paul says... His spirit lives within us. His spirit. We are his temple. So what does that mean? Well, Paul uh, says that because of this, it's uh, just an incredible, incredible joy. And as we look at people now, we don't look at each other in this temple as just ordinary people, skin and bones, that are going to uh, you know, live for you know, four score years and ten, and then actually just die and that's the end. No, when we look at each other now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we treat each other with a dignity, knowing that Christ lives in you. Gossip about someone in the family of God? What are you talking about? Would you slander someone who has, is sacred, has, has God, spirit living in them? I mean, do you realise what you're doing? It's playing with fire. When someone is hurting and we don't go and help them, what are we saying about that person? 
that they're just flesh and bones and they don't really matter? Or are we realising that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit and each person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ has God in them? Help the sick, help the poor amongst us. Of course, we grieve when others grieve. We rejoice when others are finding joy. Why? Because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and each one has God at work in them. So you, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, each person is precious. Each person is to be valued and highly treasured. Uh, the other application for the fact that we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit is the fact that God is here. God is amongst us. God is, God is here in this place as we gather together. God is here in our lives. And therefore we, we have his presence with us. I love that song, uh, God is here. Let the weak say, I am strong. And I think of the early church in Acts, you know, after the Holy Spirit had first come and they were uh, in prayer together. They were seeing God do mighty and incredible things amongst them. People were being added to their number daily and they were proclaiming the gospel with boldness because they knew without doubt that God is here. His spirit is at work amongst us. Church, God is here. He's in my life. He's in your life. He's in our church as we gather together. And we want to come to him with faith, expecting him to do things that you and I could never do on our own, but God wants to do together. Not only is God here, it says in um, uh, Matthew 18, 20, that again I tell you that if two or three agree on earth or ask for anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So his presence is here. And because of his presence, when two or three come together in unity and ask to God, we can expect that God will hear our prayers and will work in, in mighty ways. The fact that God is here that we are his temple, also shows that our life is to be lived with his guidance, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. It's the Father who draws. John 6, 44 says that. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts. John 16 and verses 8 to 11. He causes confession to be made. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. He completes conversion, Titus 3.5. He strengthens and empowers, Ephesians 3.16. He guides us into truth, John 16 and verse 3. He gives spiritual gifts which promote unity amongst us. That's 1 Corinthians and verse 12 and 25. Building up the church, the Holy Spirit does. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12. And that's avoiding unity, disunity. We are unified together. And growth is not stunted, but together as one, we build up the body. And you know, all of this is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives together. And as we trust on him and as we depend on him, we see him doing what 
only he can do. Bearing fruit in your lives of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, thankfulness and self-control. All those things we start to see as we understand that God's Spirit is working in and through us. So you know why? What? The application for that is we should pray. (laughs) We really should be praying. Because if it's not just me and my, uh, you know, good figuring things out and the deacons working things out together and getting a few plans and goals and everything together and then we say, why aren't people coming to the Lord? Oh, we better do a few more, um, you know, pushes of this button and twists of that and if we just change this, maybe more will come to... It's not about that. God is the one who saves. His spirit is the one that brings new birth. And therefore, we, uh, unless, we, we labour in vain unless the Lord builds this house. So prayer is crucial for us. So I just want to encourage you, next Sunday night, all night, and next week, uh, coming to the prayer meeting shows I'm not depending on myself. I'm asking God to do what only he can do in our church. I'm asking him to save, to bring growth, to help us, guide us, to lead us, because without him we can do nothing. The final thing uh, is that God is here means that the Holy Spirit empowers us for mission. Uh, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus says he will be with us. And the way he's with us today is through his Holy Spirit empowering us to go, empowering us to preach the good news, to teach people. And we can go confidently in mission, going out knowing that God is with us to strengthen us. His spirit is helping us as we go. Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God's Spirit is to empower us to mission. And when you're at work this week and someone asks you about why you have hope when things are falling apart or why you are able to continue to pray and give to others, even people that aren't giving back to you, and why people ask that you seem to have joy and hope in your life, you can tell them and you can know that the Holy Spirit is going to help you in that time. It's great to know that through mission, the Holy Spirit is with us. God is here in this place, not this building. That's why Baptists spend so little time trying to make beautiful buildings with lovely uh, statues or things like that. We, we, We want you to know God's not in the building, in the bricks and the wood, but he's in you. He's in you. God is here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not only are we, Wodonga District Baptist Church, the temple of the Holy Spirit, but also the church worldwide is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, 
and verses 19 to 20, Paul talks about the church, uh, the, the church, the big church, the church worldwide. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but now fellow citizens with God, people and members of God's household, built on the one foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined, being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's an incredible sense that God has been building his church by the power of his Holy Spirit right from the very beginning at Pentecost right up until today. And church, we are now part of a church that has been alive for 2,000 years. And the challenge for us is to say we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. The pages of history are waiting for us to write. And I just want to encourage you and exhort you to use your gifts, to understand who you are, to love, to serve, to give, because you are God's church. I love the church. And we're just going to watch this DVD now. It goes for just a little bit, a little while but it's going to remind you of the incredible awesomeness of God's church. Not always perfect, but a church that is seeking to live for him, his people, his body, and his temple. Uh, Let's watch this together.
broke history in two, reframed the law, reinvigorated the prophets, rewrote the DNA of the sick. Evil spirits submitted to him, fish jumped into nets for him, loaves of bread multiplied for him. He formed a coalition, he challenged authority, he purged the temple, he riled the establishment. His own body cracked open like bread, shattered like a wine glass. The pounding of the spikes heard around the world. The temple of a holy place torn from top to bottom. Worn out traditions ripped to shreds. They could not contain the one who sprang up from the dead. His body reconfigured, reassembled into something new. The Ecclesia, AKA the church. The pneuma, the breath, the spirit, a holy hurricane howling through every soul. Behold my church, I'm sending you. Now go! Founded on the promise of the cross, set on the shoulders of a man called the rock, spread like a good disease through the holy city of Jerusalem. All possessions held in common, no one called their property their own. Bread broken together in homes, awe and wonder, God's new thunder. Fast forward. The gods are offended. The empire incensed. Who are these who will not bow the knee, will not pay the fee, will not play the game, will not compromise the name? And so it begins. The stoning of Stephen, exiles and crucifixions, victims in the Colosseum, as Jesus' flock becomes food for lions in the extreme sport of persecution. Until one Roman king sees things differently and blesses the community with immunity, an end to persecution. And the organism of Jesus' body becomes an institution. An institution. An institution. Fast forward. Iron church bells, multicolored stained glass, icons of angels, the blessed crucifix, candles, incense, eternal flame, monks and sisters chanting out the holy name, lives of saints and broken bread, priests and presents, vows of silence. Enter the monasteries, learning the practices of the presence of God, celibate, set apart, a community unto itself, disciplines of the spirit going deep, deep into the world of the holy. The soil that gave birth to St. Francis, Brother Lawrence, Mother Teresa, instruments of your peace, the seasons, festivals, common prayer, the spirit that hovers in the atmosphere. Fast forward and stop. May we have a moment of silence for the unspeakable violence of the great crusades. The church's version of a holy war, complete with rivers of blood, rape, and torture. By all accounts, not, not our, our finest, finest hour. hour. Who will speak the truth to power? The revolution of Martin Luther, 95 bullet points, a life on the altar, a legacy upon which a movement springs, a brand new church is given its wings, Bible in the language of the common people, the priesthood of all believers. A faith revolution, momentum, splits and division, breakdown of communication, 
proliferation of new denominations. The Lutherans. Reformed. Methodists. Moravians. A whole new world. The Shakers and the Quakers, the Amish. Keeping the peace, keeping it honest. Working the land, wide open hand. This is a gift to be simple, a gift to be free, a close-knit community, not me, but we. Fast forward. New life arises from an unexpected place, from slavery, the seeds of death, the soil of a soul-deep African faith, bleeding on the cold, hard eyes of captivity. A black church born of the combination of mission, oppression, the Holy Spirit, and pain. The Underground Railroad. The church. Underneath the radar. Under the cover of darkness. Rescuing. Hiding. Mobilizing. Knowing no color line, silently oiling the wheels of freedom. Great awakening, social action, Wilberforce and abolition, Baptist passion, shout out evangelism, Charles Spurgeon, prohibition, world mission. John Wesley, Charles Finney, William Booth and the Salvation Army taking the church to the streets where faith in the rough and tumble meet. Missionaries strike forth to the far reaches of the planets, India, China, Africa, America. Venturing into the unknown to spread the word, service of the one who said, go, I'm sending you. Many did, with the Bible in their hands and a lump in their so many borders crossed. So many lives were lost. But so many souls were won. Fast forward. Then world wars take the church by surprise. Can it hold its own with the fire turned on? Holocaust. Millions of humans lost. What would be left of a world in ashes? How can faith survive? Holy Ghost? Are you still alive? He resides in the cellars, the hidden rooms amid the cries and whispers, the community of the confessing church, underground resistance, reaching for courage that the deepest faith alone can give, plunging even into death so that other souls will live. Fast forward. JFK, MLK, protests, placards, sit-ins, lovin's. You say you want a revolution? Watch the Jesus people come to life. Manifestation, wonders, and signs. Blue jean and Bible in a corduroy cover. Black man and white men call each other brother. Watch the joy of the charismatic taking root among the Protestant and the Catholic. Desmond Tutu, the Rainbow Nation, the fight for South African unification, Reverend Cho and the Korean explosion, watch the Holy Spirit blow through boundaries, breaking chains and crossing oceans. But don't be fooled by the joyful noise. You could step over the dividing line. You stick to your kind, I stick to mine. Tribes of the global population, races and denominations worshiping separately. Bowing before the same God, but would rather die than gather under the same roof. 
I want to ask you, my church, how have you survived? What mighty engine keeps your cells alive? What great heartbeat has sustained you when pain contorts you and sin stains you? Through the trough of human sorrow, who has lifted you to tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. There are and always have been the invisible ones who never made a name, rejected fame, the brick and pillars, the cross beams of the church, who stood up for justice, stooped down to serve, reached out to heal, who sheltered the defenseless, mothered the motherless, lifted the depressed, and loved the despised. It matters that they lived. It matters how they died. It matters that they answered the call. Without them, the foundations would groan and crack and finally fall. A heartbeat starts with a young divide. A generation rises up and rocks the house. A different kind of rhythm, a mission of song. The wisdom of the old, the passion of the young. Can you imagine what could be done? You put the wisdom of the old with the passion of the young. Can you imagine what could be done? You put the wisdom of the old with the passion of the young. Can you imagine what could be done? I want to be at ease, I want to be at ease Walking in the front door of any holy church Anywhere, never an outsider No suspicion without the vision Inclusion are given, you're, you're one, one of us Come kneel with us, come pray with us I want to believe in a church With its doors flung open wide Running full tilt outside Down every alley, into the valley The barrios No corner too dark, no depth too low Love to the wounded heart, food to the starving soul Signs of revival, hints of spring Something in the universe begins to sing. Once again, the ancient bells begin to ring. The prayers rise up, the candles burn. The angels smile and the planet turns. As it was when the Creator first dreamed it, as it's going to be when we believe it. The kingdom come, the church be one. 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 the church. Uh, so many people have lost their lives, so many people have uh, written the pages of history. But we have a chance this coming year and the years ahead to write the next chapter. And uh, as we do and as we live today, realising that we are the people of God, the body of Christ, the temple of his spirit, let's pray together. Oh God, we we thank you so much that you would choose to use people to call them to yourself, to die so that we might be forgiven, to rise again so we might have new life and be called your body. God, we thank you that we are your temple. And Lord, as we think of all those that have been part of the church down the ages, we thank you for the privilege to be part of your family today. We pray, God.
pray that you would help us to live in such a way that honours you, that is led by you, that loves one another with the love that you have loved us with and that helps our church to grow strong, the church worldwide to be unified and for people that are far from you to come to know you and become part of your church. God, thank you that you have promised that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We just say, God, we we want to be part of the next chapter. Thank you for helping us become part of your family. Help us to live each day as part of your church, honouring you and bringing you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just be.